as long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Parami app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radio Potomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV. This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. Here's Zach. Questions about uh, electric cars because the state of Texas is supposed to be shelling out a lot of federal money, not state money, but federal money to install a bunch of superchargers across the state of Texas. And neither one of us have the money to buy an electric vehicle, <laughs> but we know somebody who did. And uh, Davey, go ahead and introduce our guest, would you please? Brandon Darby is uh, one of the uh, original writers and reporters for uh, Breitbart. Uh, and at some point, he he's, he's has pays particular attention to the border and is down here from time to time. Although the last I heard about Brandon Darby, he had retreated to a farm outside of uh, outside of Lubbock and was posting tweets about a cow. Uh, and then. Uh, <laughs> Of, of all things you can find on Twitter, there was sort of a back and forth about charging vehicles. And this kind of dovetailed, uh, Brandon, with what we were talking about here yesterday. Um, and by Tell the way, you thank what, you what, for being what, with uh, us. What it's electric about, vehicle do you have, Brandon? Yeah. I bought a Tesla Model Y. So it's like a, a crossover with a hatchback. Uh, it's on the lower, it's still expensive, but it's on the lower end of, Tesla's. It's not a Model S or a Model X, you know, and uh, and I'm loving it, man. It's great for my particular lifestyle. Well, there was you. So, you hold on. You hold charge on. your, hold your on, Tesla. How long was the the wait list for that? Did you get put on a really long wait list for it? Well, I would have gotten put on a wait list, but I found a little way around the wait list. Um, so it took me three weeks from the time I ordered it to the time I got it. Did you, Other people, oh, it was, takes about a year. How come? So they opened a, a brick and mortar service center in Lubbock, Texas. And when I was talking to them, I realized that, that, uh, every, you know, every one month to two months, they get new models for display. Like no one drives them. So it's not like a dealer model that people are driving. It's, it's still brand new without miles on it, but they get new display cars. So if anyone within so many miles of the service center in that region orders, you know, has ordered this, the exact specific, uh, specific, how do I say this? The exact vehicle that is on the display, then they get priority. And so what I realized was that no one in the Lubbock area had ordered a Model Y with 20 inch wheels with this, with that, you know, these specific things. <laughs> so... So I said, well, I'd like to order all of the specifics on that particular Model Y right there. And they said, okay. And then sure enough, you know, uh, they tell you to download an app. You download the app. They walk you through all this stuff. And uh, it's really quite simple. And, and, uh, and then they notified me that my car was here, you know, and I said, okay, great. And the app handled the financing for me at a very low interest rate. 
It handled the trade-in of my truck. It handled everything. And so I just uh, showed up and gave him my truck keys, signed some papers, and and uh, drove off with my Model Y. It took me about 30 minutes to figure out how to drive off in my Model Y, but I did figure it out. <laughs> Why well, yeah. is it the is it one of those with the yoke, the steering yoke? No, it has a steering wheel, and okay. uh, I do want the Tesla truck, which will have the yoke, uh, or supposed to. I, I do want that Tesla truck, but it's because of how capable it is. You know, like if if they do a a four. Uh, a four-motored uh, Tesla truck, which I think they're going to do, it's probably going to have, you know, five to 600 miles of range. It's going to probably do zero to 60 in like three or 2.8 or 3.2 seconds. It's going to pull somewhere upwards of 20,000 pounds. It's, it's ballistically resistant to up to nine millimeter rounds, the windows and the door. I mean, it's just an amazing really? machine. Um, and it makes sense for me in my specific situation. Brendan Darby, with uh, who uh, was it formerly or currently writes for Breitbart, uh, joins us on the nine five six drive home. He, he's the proud owner of a Tesla Model Y. Yeah. And you said, and speaking of fitting your needs, uh, what what needs are those specifically? Are you a point A to point B, just work at home type of guy, or David? No. Or so the- my life, I'm a single dad, so I have a little girl. And uh, she's getting into her teen years. And so most of my life, you know, there's, you know, a, a few days a month, maybe a week a month where I'm headed to the border and I'm doing stuff. But the rest of my life, just an honest assessment of it, is uh, is me getting in my car, driving my daughter to dance or to jujitsu or to piano or to all these other things. And me sitting in the car for an hour or an hour and a half working while she's in there doing her thing. And um, that's the majority of my life. And so uh, for me to be able to, you know, plug in at home, I have a solar power system. So I plug in at home. Uh, I drive into town. I leave the air running. It's not using that much energy. It's not costing me hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars in gas to leave the vehicle running so I can have air conditioning while I'm working in my truck, it just makes sense for me. A, a few times a year, you know, I have horses, I have cattle, so a few times a year I have to uh, I have to pull cattle, and when that happens, I'll rent a truck or borrow something But until I get my Tesla truck and whenever it comes out. But uh, right now, most of the time, I'm driving into town, I live out in the country, and I'm sitting in a car like I'm doing right now, waiting on my daughter, sitting in my Tesla with the air on, and it feels really good. The air is really cold, and it barely uses any power, you know? Um, uh, the way that Elon Musk designed the HVAC system is quite amazing. And uh, I hope he turns it into a home HVAC system that uses such so little power. But uh, I, I'm pretty impressed with it, man. I, I used to be a big skeptic. I started to kind of research it, and, and I'm not now. Uh, I know that everyone can't afford to be in a Tesla or even the lower-end Electric vehicles are about 28,000, I think, the Nissan Leafs or whatever. Um, I know not everyone can afford that right now, but for the people who can squeeze it, um, you know, it makes sense if, if, you know, if you're, if your car note and gas note are above a thousand dollars a month between the two, then it, it would actually make sense to be in a Tesla for most people. So, um, uh, you know, I'm enjoying it and I'm finding that there's charging stations 
uh, everywhere that I've needed to go so far along the border, the, the Del Rio sector doesn't have good charging stations and neither does the big Bend sector, but all the other, all seven other border sectors, you know, the Rio Grande Valley has good charging. Laredo sector has good charging. Um, uh, Del Rio, like I said, not so much big Bend, not so much, but El Paso sector. Uh, do you, know, you do you worry sector, about congestion? Uh, Yuma, everywhere else has it. Do, do you worry about congestion at the at the charging stations, like we've seen in so many videos, where it, it hey, it takes half an hour to fill up the the thing to get you to the next place, and all these cars are lined up around the block waiting for you to get out while you're in there watching Netflix, you know? No, I don't worry about that here. I worry about that. In, uh, if I lived in Los Angeles, I would worry about that. If I lived in California, I would worry about that. Um, but like I said, most of the time, uh, you know, I don't know how deep you want me to get into this with the chargers and the different types of chargers, but most of the time, uh, you know, like yesterday I got home, I didn't even need to charge. Um, today I drove out. Tonight I'll charge, and I'm just going to plug it in to this Tesla charger and go to bed and I'll wake up and my car will be charged. You know, it's like, it's, to me, it's not a big deal. Like when I'm on the, if I were, if I were going across California, I would worry about that for sure. Yeah. That's why I think it's great that we're about to have more chargers. And I think that, you know, there's a, a lot of issues with EVs that aren't perfect. There's a lot of, they're not completely pollution free or whatever the left says, uh, especially in the manufacturer. And then who knows when it comes to disposal of batteries, there's all kinds of problems. But but it does feel good being that I do have a solar power system. You know, if the grid goes down again like it did for a while, uh, a couple of winters ago, or if we have problems, it is nice that I have a vehicle that I can charge at home even if the gas stations don't have electrical power. You know, it is nice for, for self-sufficiency reasons. For me, it, it's kind of a, a years-long dream of mine to be self-sufficient. I didn't think I would get an EV, but... I definitely spent years, as I could afford it, changing my gas appliances to electric and then ultimately getting this really intensive solar power system with a lot of battery storage so I could have my own grid. I'm that guy, and, and I, it took me years to be able to do that, and, and I finally did it. So now the EV is just kind of a, it's kind of just icing on the cake, really. It's, for me, it's just, it's just wonderful. Brandon Darby writes for Breitbart, and he is one of the 129,000 lucky people that have a registered electric vehicle in the state of Texas. He's our guest on Let the 956 Drive Home. Your witness, Davey. Since this was my idea, can I ask a question? <laughs> sure. I what need was, to get the what, important info out first. Go ahead. What was most interesting in the exchange I read about was you're charging from not, not off of West Texas electricity, West Texas electric company or whatever but you have your own solar panel and gather your own electricity and there was a lot of uh, a, a lot of in incredulity that that would work number one and then i noticed later on they were piling on you being an elitist and sneering at you and oh, no, they admit, never do that some, some somebody who works for breitbart that super right-wing publication you know now you have an electric car and down with hydrocarbons that kind of thing no? Well, I think it's called transference. I think what's going on is there are people who are mad at Joe Biden and mad at Democrats. And then if, if you get an electric vehicle or you have solar panels, then what happens is they transfer their frustration and anger 
at Joe Biden onto you, right? Um, I deal with this all the time. You know, like I deal with it when it comes to the word migrant. I like to use the word migrant. A lot of people say on the right, you know, on the, on the left, they attack me and say, well, you should be calling them undocumented. I'm like, no, I'm not going to say that word because I don't think it's an accurate word. And then on the right, they're like, call them illegal aliens. I'm like, yeah, I'm probably not going to call a mother and three babies. I'm just not, I'm just going to say migrant because it's neutral. It's not offensive. That's just me, right? Like some of my writers say illegal alien. I don't. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. But most of the time I say migrant. And, um, and I get attacked for that. And what, what happens is all these people are mad about the, the border policies of the Democrats. And they just take it. Somehow I've become a lightning rod for their frustration. And I'm kind of used to that. And uh, and they're mad because I drive an EV. Uh, you know, someone yesterday said, Andrew Breitbart, your dead friend would be rolling in his grave because you <laughs> did this. And I'm like, because I bought an electric vehicle? Like, it, it's more competent than a gas engine by most measurements. You know, most That's measures, right. it's, it's faster, it pulls more, um, it's more comfortable, it costs me less. Well, frankly, Darvin, you know what it is. You know, if, if the so left wingers that, that, want to move I mean, away from people can get mad, they want to get mad. I don't, I don't care what they think. Frankly, it's none of their damn business what you drive, Brandon. And I'll, and I'll I, say that. I'll say that for you. That, it's none that's of their business what you drive. It makes sense for me. I do think ultimately that's where things are going. Um, I think there's, you know, probably for the rest of my life, there's always going to be internal combustion engines, and there's some things they're really needed for. Uh, but but probably the daily driving around, I think most people are at some point going to go, you know, I know this isn't great. I know the batteries are mostly made in China. Maybe we should make batteries here too more. And they're going to go, you know, I'm kind of getting tired of this like oil cartel full of a bunch of like, you know, uh, uh, dictators in the Middle East and, and a few people in the U.S., deciding like how much money of mine they're going to take every month. And, and I think that's kind of where this goes. And people, people, if it's, if it works for people, if people find the cars comfortable, if they find them faster, if they, you know, if they find them um, more suitable to their life and they save them money, then most people are going to go in that direction. And I think that's where this is going. Uh, it could be wrong, but I think that's where it's going and people's anger at it or, you know, people, Honking at, I had somebody honk at me and flip me off, and I was like, <laughs> I didn't do anything, and they were just flipping me off. No, it's called, there's anger at Tesla owners, and it's like, well, oh okay, like, uh, don't know what the problem is. Like, okay, dude, I, I drive an EV, and that is somehow, in your mind, you have identified that as a threat to your way of life, and I just don't feel that it is, you know. I, I mean, I don't they might hate Elon Musk. You don't oil know. Workers I mean, or, there's, or plenty, coal workers there's plenty of all, people that hate. You know? There's plenty of people that hate Elon Musk. You don't know. You know what I mean? Like, they could be hating on you because you support, like, this evil, greedy, uber-capitalist guy. Well, we have to go, though. Speaking of capitalism, it's uh, – Brandon yeah, Darby, I, thank you very much. We we greatly appreciate your time and yeah, your I had questions about taxes and things like that because that's supposed to be the next thing down the pike is for people with electric vehicles. They were going to find some way to tax them for the gas tax that they're yeah, not paying. Yeah. But that's another discussion for another day. You're listening to an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. As long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Parami app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. 
Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radiopotomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV. This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. Here's Zach. This is your home for Houston Astros baseball weeknights and weekends all season long on 710KURV. Astros baseball made possible by Riverside Development Services, F&T Valley Motorsports, Taco Olay, and Mission Incredible. Now that we've had a few days to let the the news of Roe versus Wade kind of breathe a little bit, new questions are coming up about what U.S. companies can and can't do to cover workers' abortion costs. And joining us on 710KURV, we welcome back to the program an undefeated trial attorney with more than 120 state and federal cases successfully litigated, Sandra Spurgeon from the Spurgeon Law Group, joining us on the 956 Drive Home. So what's the, what are some of the legal concerns here about workers covering the abortion, sorry, companies covering workers' abortion costs? Well, I, I think that in, in Texas, we had 14 GOPs day, today who said, Listing companies, um, for those of you that are in Texas, um, reverse that decision, reverse your policies or else. Um, it says that, it, I was just reading it right before we went on, um, they intend to introduce laws that will penalize those companies. And, you know, right now, Texas has a six-week, you know, have the six-week abortion ban waiting for the, um, the, uh, the, Roe v. Wade decision, and you know, it essentially was gave a right a, a, a private right of action to private citizens file suit. Essentially, it's a Big Brother type approach, and so you can absolutely expect for companies who intend to propel ahead and and, and adapt, enact and or adopt those policies for to provide health care that would include abortion then the cost to travel, you can expect that there's going to be legal challenges to those companies. And it has such a chilling effect because then it becomes, is it a civil penalty? Is it a criminal penalty? And it goes just beyond the company. But is it the HR department, the men and women who work in HR who are receiving the request? Do they have to delve into the uh, the woman's uh, medical history, is she going for cancer treatments or is she going for uh, for an abortion? So then it becomes, you know, are you subjecting your employees to civil and or criminal action? So I, I think that the companies were um, quick to react to the, the, the outpour and the outrage um, that was obviously being received, but I don't think that that they will actually be able to uh, take on this issue without subjecting their own employees um, to civil and or criminal penalties. Davis Rankin, you have a question. Uh, could you explain who's making the threats and what are they threatening? And then how do they... They don't have the power to do that, do they? State well, can't. Well, hold, hold. I, was, I was about to say, we need to clarify, Davis, that this is state or federal that you're concerned about. 
I don't understand how the state of Texas can punish somebody, punish a company, private or public, for what it does uh, or, or, or criminalize that behavior in this context. I just, I don't see, maybe they're letting their humming, what is it, their hippopotamus mouth overload their humming bird behinds. Well, I really think that it's, you know, who would have thought that there would ever be a law giving an individual um, a private right of action against uh, a provider um, who's providing medically protected services at that time to an individual. So they absolutely, you've got, I don't have the individual names, but I was just reading in CNN politics that it was, they indicated that there were 14 GOPs who've come together that says, listen, companies, you're going to get penalized. And so it didn't say if it's a it's a if it's a civil penalty, if it's a criminal. Yeah. You, know, when you give the power to the states. We you are subjected to, or we are subjected to, what the legislature will enact. You think they can do that? That just doesn't seem right to me that they can do that. What, that they would do that. What does it? What does it? What, seem what, right regardless to of your that? view, one's view of abortion, I don't think the government. This is. I'll just say it and you can play off of that. I don't think the government has any role or right to punish companies that don't, that don't do what they want them to do in this is in this circumstance. That makes sense. Well, so if you don't get an individual at the individual female, right, what are they expecting to get right? A pound of flesh. So what are they, what was their, it's the same logical or line of reasoning when they enacted the private right of action for a private yeah. citizen to bring civil litigation against providers of the service, not against the woman who would choose to have the abortion, but yeah. against a, a medical provider. And it, all that is, it was all it is designed to do is to create a chilling effect, meaning mm-hmm. no one's going to touch it because they're going to be afraid of civil or criminal penalties. That's, yeah. You know, what medical provider would make the decision to abort a child or an, a fetus or whether it's viable, um, whatever this, whatever gestational age that it may have been, who's going to touch that when they themselves could have been subjected to suit? It's hitting their pocketbooks, and that's what it's, yeah. it was designed to do. And it's the same thing with the corporate policy. Are, you know, are they... It's just that chilling effect, and they're going going to go after, they're going to target one particular company, and they're going to go after that company blazing. And whether, like I said, within that company, who makes those decisions as to who's going to pay? The woman yeah. is going to have to. It's going to have to submit that she's ha- that she is getting a medical procedure out of state to to be eligible for it to be covered. And when she does that, do they then have to distinguish because of the laws that will be that are going into effect in the state of Texas? Um, what type of procedure is it? And when yeah. you do that, you know, a woman, a woman's medical health, a man's medical health, we're all protected under HIPAA. An employer does not have yes. a right to know about my medical history. Yes. But they will, yeah. given, given the scrutiny that they're going to have to apply here in making the decisions as to whether the company's going to take the risk or not. 
Joining us on 710 KURV is Sandra Spurgeon from the Spurgeon Law Firm. And this got complicated really, really quickly. Like it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't such an easy thing. Like, hey, yeah, we you know the pro life won, life wins today, and then it suddenly yeah. turns into okay. So who do we sue and when and what are the procedures? And if I happen to take, because I saw I got some notes from some friends of mine over the weekend that certain employers had passed out memos saying, hey, listen, if you want to take a trip out of the state for a medical thing, we're totally willing to reimburse the travel expenses for that. And is that like for specifically for the travel expenses, like, hey, you know, is that an HR thing? They're going to dip into petty cash and just and just hand it over and be like, hey, you know, everything's cool. Everything's all peachy keen. Who's like who's first in line uh, to 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 take that hit when when the legal thing is coming. And you brought up HIPAA too, which I was, I was waiting for that to come up. Well, HIPAA like, trumps what the state of Texas wants to do, doesn't it? Well, but not if the woman has to, you know, so most, so let me go back just a second. Yeah. So most major corporations are self-insured, right? They may have a third party administrator, but they, they apportion a percentage of their profits to care or to provide or fund for the health care of their employees. Okay, so that's um, so whether there's insurance involved or not, some companies, most of these larger companies, they have their they're self-insured. So Mm -hmm. you are correct that HIPAA would prevail uh, or would, as you would say, Trump. I think we don't want to use that word at this point. (laughs) I'm I'm uh, sorry. I'm sorry. I never thought of that. (laughs) But we so. But so in the Hobby Lobby case that went in front of the U.S. Supreme Court um, a few years ago, there was a decision that uh, Hobby Lobby could not be forced. It's a U.S. Supreme Court decision. They could not be forced to pay for a woman's contraception. All right. So Mm -hmm. there if so, companies can't be forced to pay for the abortion costs uh, of a woman. And they absolutely, if they're presented with a uh, a pre-request for payment or an itemization request for payment, they absolutely have a right to know what that's for. And so mm. when they do, that's when they then come under the microscope of the state. So, yeah. Maybe it, I should have gone very, to law school. Uh, and my goal is just to you know, is to to yeah. spread the word that this is so complicated. Like Friday night, I gave a, um, a an interview at 11 o'clock at night to wow. iHeartRadio in Cincinnati. So at that point in time in Ohio, I could have had that, I could have had that medical procedure com- uh, performed if I wanted. However, if I had stepped my toe into Kentucky, which is a J- uh, borders Kentucky, yeah. I could have, I, uh, I could be prosecuted for it. The it is same incredible. Night. And so my my position is on it is that look, I'm not here to make a moral or ethical uh, statement about all of this. My point is is that the inequality that we are seeing in every scenario here. When you sit down and you rationally and you logically take you take someone who knows these steps and who knows the ins and outs of insurance and who understands the legal implications of a state having a jurisdictional 
uh, issues over a woman and the equality that happens when it's you're in a different state, it just creates an entire debacle that it's going to take time to flush out. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, and it, it does not seem to be an area in which people can speak about it uh, with a level head, right? Um, and I don't mean you. I mean, I have received, been flooded with calls from family and from friends who one side or the other just because they know I'm speaking on this issue, they want to blow oh. me up without me saying a word. Oh, I, I, and I'm yeah, saying, trust you me, understand yeah. that's not my role? <laughs> yeah, no, no, we know, because that's the whole point of the conversation is to just talk about <laughs> this, you, ma'am. you know, X, Y, and Z is going on. We're not taking one side or another, but this is what's happening. Thanks a lot. Sandra Spurgeon for the Spurgeon Law Group joining us on Newstalk 710 KURV. You're listening to an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on Newstalk 710 KURV and KURV.com. News Talk 710 KURV. When news breaks, we break in. Breaking news. Stay alert and listen to the weather forecast. We need to be aware and alert to what's going on. Breaking news means it's happening now. We mean now. Breaking news underway right now. Breaking news. On News Talk 710 KURV means we're bringing you the news as it happens. We have a multiple In this particular instance, we are in receipt of information. When news breaks, we'll break in. Count on News Talk 710 KURV. This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. Here's Zach. This is your home for Houston Astros baseball, weeknights and weekends all season long on 710 KURV. Astros baseball made possible by Riverside Development Services, FT Valley Motorsports, Taco Olay, and Mission Incredible. Ladies and gentlemen, there was a story about a month ago that said more than 800 teachers in the Houston area would not be going back to the classroom next year. And on top of that, there was a poll from Gallup that showed more than 4 in 10 K-12 through workers felt a similar way of being burnt out just in general. Joining us on 710-KURV to talk about this and the plight of the modern teacher in 2022 is Connor Boyack. He's a education advocate with Libertas, the Libertas Institute. He's our guest right now. So of of I, I'm assuming there's a laundry list of things here <laughs> that we need to go over. Let's 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 go over like three to five. What are the big ones on your list? Oh man, yeah, there's there's like twenty or thirty. It is a long list. I, I think we all recognize that teachers got very burned out in large part due to the pandemic. I think, though, as you talk to teachers and figure out what's going on, a lot of the pushback comes from the parents who aren't thrilled with what's happening in the schools. They've seen the protests at the school board meetings. They've seen the curriculum that's being used in schools. A lot of parents are heated about things like critical race theory and the 1619 Project, politics creeping into the classroom. And so they're taking it out on teachers. And there's good teachers, there's bad teachers, but they're all being lumped together So a lot of parents are upset. It's created a lot of heated dialogue and rhetoric. We've seen homeschooling triple across the country as a lot of parents exit the public school system in frustration. So a lot of teachers are caught in the middle and they find themselves having to use this curriculum and teach these books that a lot of parents are fired up about and really objecting to. So one of the things that we do is try and create books and resources to help these teachers and parents 
we're very much seeing a need for materials that parents can trust so that they don't distrust what teachers are using in the classroom. What are some of the what are some of the big um, extra? I, I'm reluctant that you say extracurricular in this in this instance because of what it implies in a, in a school. But what are what are some of the extra duties that are that are imparted onto a teacher in this day and age, post Rona, uh, post COVID? Well, you know, we're slang term. Yeah, we're we're asking teachers to be disciplinarians. We're asking them to be you know mental health advocates. And you know, when you look at what's actually happening in the teacher training colleges for young people who want to become teachers. It's less about content and subject matter expertise. It's more about classroom management and how to corral a bunch of kids. No one really signs up for the teaching profession to be a babysitter and, you know, manage discipline. They want to teach and inspire young kids. Of course, we saw during COVID with Zoom school and the rest, a lot of parents are saying, well, wait a minute, why are you teaching my kids this? I had no idea that stuff was happening in the classroom. So there's been more transparency, which I think is a good thing. But it's created a lot of concern, a lot of distrust for parents wondering what's being taught in the classroom. They're taking more initiative themselves to say, you know, I'm going to pull my kids out or I'm going to go fight at the school board and make sure, you know, my kids aren't being taught objectionable things. There's just a lot of distrust in the institution and parents are increasingly wondering where they can go to trust, you know, reliable curriculum and, and individuals to teach their kids. Connor Boyack is with the Libertas Institute, and he's an education expert, our guest on News Talk 710 KURV. Davis Rankin, do you have a question? Uh, yeah. Do, do you know, um, well, let me stop, uh, nothing like critical race theory that we've heard of, anything like that is being taught south of Corpus Christi, as far as I know. Uh, but do you all know of anything like that being taught in the state of Texas? And are you able to explain what critical race theory is so people will know it when they see it? So critical race theory, uh, broadly speaking, is the idea that um, race undertones, it, it highlights everything. It highlights our economy. It highlights our political structures. It highlights our family and, and community institutions and that racism colors everything, that we have this preference for white supremacy, and you know our whole economy is built on this idea. And so it injects race into everything, into things like math and all kinds of stuff. So uh, what you find in states like Texas and my state like Utah is not necessarily that critical race theory and the books that teach it are adopted as official curriculum or state standards, what you typically find are kind of activist teachers who find a way to quietly incorporate this in their classroom. There are organizations across the country who are reaching out and building relationships with teachers. They're flying them out to conferences and doing Zoom trainings and all the rest, empowering those teachers with resources to go quietly advocate for and teach these things in their classroom, do these activities where, hey, if you're privileged and white, you know, take one step forward. And if you're, you know, a minority, then take one step back. And this shows how awful our society is. And, you know, white people should feel guilty and we should have reparations and all these things. It's the teachers showing initiative, some, you know, teachers showing initiative on their own to introduce these ideas. And again, it doesn't happen with parental consent. Rarely does it even come to the surface and anyone become aware of it. That's where this distrust comes from is when parents maybe later do find out, they wonder, well, how, wait a minute, why was this you know, being taught? Why was this teacher injecting their own political views 
you know, I didn't realize this was happening. And it's often too late. It's years after the fact. So we can say, well, right now it's not official, you know, curriculum in Texas, but I guarantee you there are teachers throughout Texas, throughout the country, conservative red states who are teaching these ideas to impressionable young kids in their classroom. Even in 2019, we were having problems with a, a teacher shortage. And uh, it's, it seems even now in 2022, we're, we're still going to be hemorrhaging teachers. And so what are some things that some school districts are doing to kind of retain those teachers, make, make them want to stay, incentivize them so that we don't place that extra burden from all of these teachers that have left upon the remaining teachers that are still there? I think it becomes about autonomy and flexibility, trusting teachers, good teachers to do the right thing. In our state of Utah, for example, the legislature created the country's first what they call education sandbox. And what this means is teachers can now say, you know, all these standards or this process, this rigid whatever, I want to have more flexibility. I want to go do my own little pilot project, teach my students the way I want, not have to comply with all these things. And they get consent from the parents and they notify the principal and they go through a bit of process to say, I want to just teach. I want to just do what I want. They come up with a plan, right? And so this becomes trusting the teacher, upholding good teachers who signed up for the profession to be creative, to be inspirational, to care about the students and not have to just fill out paperwork and deal with the administrative bloat. So projects like this education sandbox are going to start to catch on across the country. That is how I think you're going to see a lot of schools getting really excited to attract and retain talent by saying, look, teachers, we, you know, we don't want to just micromanage you. We want to empower you and we want you to have a trusting relationship with the parents of your students. Here's one way to do it. Our guest is Connor Boyack from the Libertas Institute. He's an expert on education, our guest on 710 KURV. We had a, a list of about 20 different things that, or I'm sorry, Davis, you have a question? You look like you had a question. No, I was uh, listening. I'm okay. just, we, we, we've got this laundry list of about 20 things or so that, that are ailing teachers right now. And what, what are a couple of things that you wouldn't expect? We always hear about the, yeah, the COVID restrictions and the political stuff and, you know, their, their counselors and their parents and, and stuff like that. Well, what, what are some of the other things that you wouldn't expect that we don't normally hear about? Oh, I, I think, you know, in a social media age, it's very difficult to have anything else that you haven't heard about spread all over the news and TikTok and all the rest. You know, <laughs> I, I get people every day sharing with me posts from there's this account uh, on Twitter and Instagram called Libs of TikTok, and they're often showing yeah. uh, sharing the crazy stuff that's being uh, shared in some classrooms across the country, talking about gender identity and trade marches and trans things and all kinds of stuff in, in states that you would not imagine. I'll tell you one thing that surprised me. Here we are in my conservative state of Utah and a school right down the community. They had is an elementary school. They had all along the wall, the ABCs, every paper, big letter, A, B, C. And they would say, you know, what we were used to growing up, A is for Apple, B is for book. Well, in this school, in a conservative red state, all of the letters were evangelizing activist leftist words w was for woke s was uh, for uh, uh i think it was like social activism uh you know like they had all the letters were kind of these wow. leftist talking points uh and, and so i think y was for yes we can which was barack obama's thing and it's like why are we doing that in an elementary school and red state again it's just one individual with their own little agenda that's just going and doing it and oftentimes we're unaware 
And so some of these things surprise me, even in a red state where we see teachers, often very leftist teachers who don't have the same you know, political ideology as the parents of the kids in their class, they're using their platform to push their ideas. And that's where it creates the distrust and a lot of parents are pushing back. That's where for our organization, we create a lot of books and resources to give those parents to say like, hey guys, you can read this at home and don't worry about if your teacher's pushing propaganda, like read these kids books together and you'll be okay. Because a lot of these parents are growing frustrated in, in uh, seeing what's happening. I, I got a I got about a minute if you want to talk real quickly about the Libertas Institute and some of those resources that you're referring to. Sure. So uh, we're a nonprofit. We publish a lot of stuff, including what's called the Tuttle Twins children's books. And uh, so we've sold millions of copies. These teach things like free markets and entrepreneurship and money and the golden rule, personal responsibility. Um, they're really fun storybooks. And actually this week we're coming out with a brand new American history book. It's 240 pages. It's storytelling and beautiful illustrations to tell the ideas of American history that often are not being taught in today's social studies books that are just focused on names and dates and facts and critical race theory and all kinds of stuff. Our book is focused on true American ideals that made this country great. All of this can be found at TuttleTwins.com. And this is what we're doing to empower parents with a lot of resources that they can use to talk to their kids at home. Mr. Boyick, thank you for stopping by and giving us some of your time. Connor Boyick with the Libertas Institute joining us on News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. Start your day with news and interviews important to you with the Valley's Morning News. Weekday morning starting at 6. Sergio Sanchez and Tim Sullivan bring you the latest headlines and hourly discussions with AccuWeather to get you ready for your day. And special guest interviews on topics that affect you and your family. Good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Yeah, good morning, guys. For what's not enjoy the show. It's what you need to start your day. The Valley's Morning News with Sergio Sanchez and Tim Sullivan. Weekday morning starting at 6 on News Talk 710 KURV. This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. Here's Zach. It's your 956 Drive Home. I'm Zach Cantu along with Davis Rankin. And, you know, we had a lot of questions about gas prices and the different forms of energy and those prices and how we're doing in general. And I couldn't think of a better person to ask than Tim Snyder from Matador Economics, big energy expert, our guest on your 956 Drive Home. So, What's what's big right now, and why are um, why are gas prices the way they are? Massive price drops in all of the commodities are what's kind of at, on everybody's tongues right now. If you see, probably around the valley, there's there's a lot of places. I, I heard this morning uh, one report of like the the three dollar and eighty cent range on gasoline. People need to understand that this is not the result of any action other than recession. And this is what happens as a, com- as a class when commodities, the futures products, uh, energy products, the food products, those kinds of things, when they start uh, falling into a recession. And that's what we're looking at. Can you tell me what the situation is with natural gas right now? Yeah, as a matter of fact, natural gas is dropping. Um, 
kind of surprising. Of course, it, like I said, this is just a commodity. This is a class effect across the board in all of the commodities. And, and natural gas has dropped almost three, uh, $3 a million BTUs uh, in the last month and a half. Um, the, there is concern that starting this fall again, even if, uh, you know, we prices settle out and we do get into a recession, um, or we are in a recession, but if it, if it deepens, uh, that we will still possibly see uh, more price spikes specifically in natural gas because, um, we really have such low, uh, inventories of natural gas compared to where we've been in years past. Joining us on 710 KURV, we're getting a check of the energy markets and things like that with Tim Snyder from Matador Economics. Davis Rankin, your question. Yeah, this is Davis Rankin. Why? Um, Hi, David. It's at one point, hello. At one point, uh, natural gas was something that nobody wanted. I don't know how you avoid getting that when it, when it, when it comes up with oil or if it comes up with oil. But when did when did it change that natural gas was something desired along with with liquid oil you know it's a flavor of the month kind of thing you know it's it's the cleanest of the remaining and 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 and, and probably most acceptable of the fossil fuels from an environmental standpoint from a green standpoint mm-hmm. um and it kind of, the pricing did decouple because it's got its own metrics right now. We watch, I watch inventories of natural gas. You guys will start seeing those when I send out the, uh, my weekly, uh, quick facts is what they're called. And, and what you'll see is, um, we, I watch inventories of natural gas. Of course, I keep track, keep tr- track of the prices and everything. But, you know, our, our issues here are, um, you can't readily just exchange natural gas. They're not, they're not fungible. You can't, uh, one's not equal to the other. Uh, you can't exchange natural gas for coal or coal for natural gas. Um, and it's all about logistics. And natural gas is in places where it can get to a supply point and help generate power generation. But it's not to all places where it can do that. And that's a really a bit of a conundrum we're in right now. Okay. Uh, what's uh, Europe uses a lot of liquefied natural gas. At one point, it looked like the the liquefying or f- cooling the the natural gas, which makes it a liquid, they put it on a ship and send the ship wherever it gets there, and then right. the process goes in reverse. Where does that stand now? Because America has got a lot of gas they could send to people who don't have gas. We're trying to get that going. And, you know, there's that plant in Corpus Christi that we were looking at. There was also, a, if I'm not mistaken, I believe there was a, a, a plant down near you guys that was trying to get kicking because you guys have, yeah. you know, you've got the Burgos Basin on the other side of the border and, and the Eagle Ford, you know, in our part of the world. Yeah. And there's just so much uh, that's going on and so many opportunities for us. Um, you know, we really need yeah. to see that happen. The United States can help. But... You know, we thought that maybe the Russians um, being kind of sort of kicked out of the European Union from the standpoint of providing natural gas, um, you know, what ended up happening, it was just a zero-sum game. The, the Chinese said, oh, don't worry about it, Russia. We'll just buy everything extra that you're not selling to Europe. So the United <laughs> States has to step up. Um. 
Well, you got to sure. get. There was going to be one time four were in prospect for South at the Port of Brownsville. I don't know what it stands at right. now. Two maybe. But well, the, the yeah, and our issue that we're looking at right now that's very important to that is we got to raise funds. We got to get money raised to get those plants, you know, put into place. But now we're seeing the EPA playing a game. We're seeing the SEC play a game uh, that makes it very difficult for the developers of those projects because we got to have that that cool down station so we can get it onto a ship to liquefy mm-hmm. that natural gas. We have to have the ability to do that, and and the EPA and the SEC and the Treasury Department and so many other departments are standing in the way while they're standing in while the the administration stands in front of a camera and tells you, oh no, we're making everything just as peachy as we can to uh, to develop more. It's all about greed, is what they're saying. Yeah, I was told that before you that, that if you're going to do a natural gas. Uh, liquefied natural gas plant to cool it and then ship it. You've got to have all your financing lined up ahead of time. So you and I can't Absolutely. do it. It's, it's the it's wealth. People who are already wealthy or access to capital anyway, and then they can start. Yeah, but there's a lot of regulatory hurdles, and it's going to take so. a while. And I'll, let me just put it this way: the the last ethanol plant that I built in the Panhandle of Texas, we we raised seven hundred and eighty million dollars. Whoa. It took us two and a half years to raise that money. Whoa. What? Yeah. It'd be cheaper just to go into the whiskey business, I think. Get your alcohol that way. <laughs> or yeah, or, or the if we'd have known maybe back into the into the hand wipe business or the or the cleansing <laughs> business. You know, yes. ahead of Joining COVID. Us. Not to make light of the situation, but yeah, this is a this we we've got a long lead time in front of all this stuff. And you know, we had some traction uh, just before COVID hit, and then everything just evaporated and, and went off into space. Joining yeah. us on 710 KURV is Tim Snyder with Matador Economics. He's our guest right now. We're talking about gas prices, and I don't think I don't think we had this discussion about uh, gas tax holidays. I don't think we've talked about this on the on the show with you before, right? No, you know, and a gas tax holiday, you know, removing the federal 18 and a half cent per gallon gas tax is a drop in the bucket. It means nothing. Um, It's just like the reduction of the uh, SPR Strategic Petroleum Reserve. These are shell games that uh, politicians use to try to make it look like we're solving a problem, but not really addressing the fundamental underlying issue of competition and allowing these the market to solve your problems versus forcing a governmental change. Well, <laughs> so um, they're trying, Tim. They're trying. Okay, they're trying. I know. Hard side. I got it. <laughs> well, you know, some, it's crazy. Point. It's like Bless my heart standing Tim. up in front of everybody saying, "There's not a problem at the border. It is a regional issue." <laughs> there was, a, you know, that's fine. Right. There was a story you know, about the regional, then real quick. Yep. There, there was a story about uh, one, one reason why there may not be, or there's not enough, not as much gasoline as we'd like, is that we have um, reduced refining capacity, reduced from what, when, I don't know, but that the petroleum is being taken, is being sent somewhere else. That we're, there's, I guess, they are selling it to 
offshore because we can't do anything with it here. Um, and there hasn't been a new refinery built at least along the Gulf Coast for what decades, decades and decades. What what's true about what I just said, if anything? 1977 was the last uh, refinery of any import that was built in the United States. 1977. Okay, I was a freshman in college in Whoa. 1977 when we built our last refinery to have a substantial impact on things. That's number one. Um, the other issues that we have to look at is, you know, we are we are twisting the facts around so much to meet a political gain that unfortunately the truth isn't coming out for people to understand why we're paying you know the 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 price that we're paying first of all and it's not just gasoline and diesel fuel it's it's food prices i mean look at a box of triscuits look at a box of girl scout cookies Mm -hmm. you know all of those issues that we're dealing with is all a function of trying to take our economy and make it green here's a here's an important fact for you to remember that in the last two years the united in the united states of america we have reduced the number of deaths due to exposure or uh, extreme temperature um, uh, you know temperature extremes um, more than anything we've reduced it more than we ever have we reduced it by 98% here in the United States because of fossil fuels, because of the ability to produce natural gas and coal energy, electricity to, to run uh, your air conditioning units and those kinds of things. We've provided yeah. some of the cheapest gasoline uh, that you could possibly imagine on the planet. And if you look at the... You know, the opportunities that we have developed in in the fossil fuels and oil and gas, it has kept not only this country, but this economy, this world economy alive. Today, we are suffering from, we saw the markets, all the commodities uh, were significantly down. We're starting to see the, the price of what you pay when you try to socialize the world. You know, you're you're jogging my memory of something I read last week right before the holiday. Didn't the Biden administration screw up their own deadline for uh what was it called? Permits? Something yeah, to that effect. They did, because oh, it was supposed to be June thirtieth. And, and and they, what happened? They they blew past that day, but they're gonna remedy this. This is typical of what they've been doing. The the Biden administration said they are going to expand leasing in the Gulf of Mexico. And they stopped right there. But what they didn't tell you mm. is that they're going to expand leasing in the Gulf of Mexico, but the Gulf of Alaska and the uh, Pacific Ocean and the Arctic Ocean, where, you know, those are still international waters, and we have drilling rights up there, they're going to restrict and pull back and not allow any drilling up there. That gives that to the Russians. Ay, ay, ay. Well, I hate to end it there, too, yeah. but God bless. All righty. Well, we're going to have to pick up this discussion another time. 
Thanks a lot, as usual. Thank Tim you. Snyder from Matador Economics joining us on News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. You're always on the go. Obviously pretty busy. Busy with work. Picking up my kids from school. From work to kids are running errands. Your entire day is a hands-on, never-ending frenzy of activity. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. I'd like to know what's going on in my world. I gotta know what's going on in my city. Putting the smart in your smart speaker. I'm getting my news from you and my information. For the latest news and to find out what's happening in rich, clear audio. Just say, Alexa, play 710 KURV. As long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Parami app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radio Potomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV.